0: You're listening to The Lockdown with Phil Reynolds.
1: How's everything with you today? You must find it very, very emotional from a human being side of things and from being a presenter. Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, thankfully, I say thankfully, you know, I'm, I'm not on the radio today, so I don't have to, um, you know, get my head space right before I go on air, like some people have done today already. But, um, yeah, it's... it's I think the word that's floating around at the moment uh, is, is people are tired, you know, tired of all of this. It's, it's been going on for, well, for, for since the start of time. But, I mean, you know, injustices when it comes to race. It really is time, surely, that, you know, we need to start putting these things behind us. Uh, it, it's crazy that in this day and age, in 2020, you know, people are still massively discriminated against just because they're black. You know, I, I don't want to sound like somebody who's like, you know, I wish the world was perfect and everything was wonderful because you're never going to have a perfect world at the end of the day. But I just I just feel like racism is, is mad. I feel like it's a mental illness, if I'm completely honest with you, just because, like, I can't understand. I mean... My granddad's from Ghana, so, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a mixed-race person, although I'm very light-skinned, uh, and the way that I look, a lot of people might not necessarily be able to tell, so I can never try and pretend that I know how a black person feels about this. But, you know, I, I almost feel like we should treat racism like it, it's a madness, just because if you're not racist, I honestly, I honestly think it's so difficult to even comprehend why somebody would look at somebody else who's a different colour and, I don't know, just feel like they're, they're better than them. Or, you know, I, I I guess the reason I speak like this is, one, my heritage, but two, you know, I went to a massively multicultural school in South London uh, and I feel, I, I'm so glad I did, by the way, you know, and that's that's no disrespect to anybody who didn't go to a multicultural school because I'm not saying those people are all racist at all, but I I just feel like... It, it kind of, the, the, the younger you are when you're mixing with loads of different um, people from different backgrounds, the better, because, you know, you, you, you don't necessarily, obviously, you know that those people have a different skin tone to you, but you don't see them as different. And that's such a big thing for me, you know, um, education and trying to, just trying to um, talk to kids about uh, racism from an early age. I feel like, you know, that is something that we need to do better in this country, uh, definitely. But, um, you know, to answer your question, it's very draining, you know, what's going on today. But it's great at the same time to see this unity now that, that we're seeing online. You know, that's one thing I will say. It's, it's, it's a massive shame that it's come at such a uh, an expense at the end of the day. You know, um, rest in peace to, to, to George Floyd and to everybody else who's, you know, this isn't a new thing. It's such a shame that it's taken that for this to happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm drained, but I'm at the same time pleased to see people uniting and coming together.
1: It's said that it's not a new thing, which sadly it isn't. It's been happening for too long. For you, when the news broke and you saw the pictures, what, what went through your head?
0: Well, it's it, disbelief is, you know, the, 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 the word that springs to mind right away, you know, I know the police have a job to do, right? And, I, and I'm not going to just, like, bash the police because they have a difficult job to do, but the the, the people higher up in the police force need to do more. T- to see that and to see the circumstances it happened in is even worse, in my opinion. You know, it it, it wasn't just... And I'm not saying this would make it any any better, to be completely honest with, with you, but it, it wasn't like um, George Floyd was... Uh, fleeing from the police and, um, I don't know, he was tasered and then something went wrong there. It was nothing like that. It was, it was, you know, literally um, from the clip that we've all seen. There wasn't resisting going on. Um, you know, he was on the floor basically pleading for his life, saying, I can't breathe. Um, it's a terrible clip, to be honest with you. I felt, you know, I, I felt horrible watching it. Uh, you know i, I haven 't really watched it that many times maybe less than half a dozen of ty- half a dozen times of seen it because it's just it 's a lot to take in but um it's it 's so sad because I almost feel like they didn't believe him when he was saying i can 't breathe um, they didn 't believe him and they continued and, and persisted and, and the worst possible outcome has happened Um But yeah, it was just a a, a terrible thing to watch.
1: Was it a case for you saying the words, here we go again with what's happened in the past in America?
0: Um, I I guess, yeah. I mean, if if you're looking at it statistically, yeah. Um, I I think part of the problem is that a lot of these police officers, they can always hide behind the, well, we don't know what happened before that person hit record on their phone. Um, And yes, that is true. You know, I can't dispute that. But uh, at the same time, it can't just be a coincidence, you know, that all of these people are losing their lives at the hands of police officers. Um, You know, and it's it's a global thing. Yes, America is heightened and it's highlighted, but that's due to the large multicultural population that they have in many different American cities. Uh, and also the fact that the police force over there have a much more heavy-handed approach than in, you know, a lot of other countries. Um, I dread to think if the police had the same, you know, uh, firepower and rights uh, in the United Kingdom as they do in America, you know, like I said, I I live in London, which is basically like a, uh, you know, a a European version of New York. Um, So, you know, I I think that we would see a, a, a problem like this a lot closer to home if that was the case. But um yeah, I just I just saw it and like you say it was it wasn't it wasn't necessarily oh here we go again kind of thing but it was just like I can't believe this keeps happening.
1: There was a clip that I'd seen on Facebook last night. It's got Almost 225,000 views and over 5,000 shares and it's going through the roof with comments. This is only one platform, so essentially it could be shared a lot of other places to larger amounts. But the the crux of the story is is a black man sitting outside a restaurant. It doesn't identify exactly where in America it is, but it is in America. Um, And he's essentially been harassed by two police officers, and he's sitting smoking outside the restaurant. Two police officers come over, and then two other police officers come over. They then handcuff him and attempt to arrest him. And in the interim of that, they're searching him, and they take out his wallet, and he tells them to look inside his wallet, and his FBI identification is inside the wallet. And as soon as, yeah. as, as they've they seen that, they let him go. Like, I yeah. just find that absolutely unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I mean, it It just goes to show that the only reason they respected that black man is because he was an FBI agent, not because he hadn't done anything wrong or, you know, uh, he's a human being and, you know, as human beings you have rights and you expect, to, you expect to be treated a certain way. It wasn't any of that. It was simply because he had an FBI badge, which, you know, again is ridiculous, but equally, you know, there's a part of me that was like, good, you know, cause as soon as they saw that, they, they crapped themselves essentially, cause you know, F, an FBI agent is, but I don't, I don't know the chain of command exactly when it comes to American law enforcement, but if from what we see in films and stuff is true, then the FBI kind of trump the police, don't they? I've seen a similar clip um, of a stop and search it's a, it's a black woman who gets stopped and searched. But, but she's one of the top law officials uh, connected to the government. Um, and I think it might have been in Miami or somewhere like that, because they, they, they have one of these people per state. So I'm kicking myself, that I can't remember the name of it. But, um, yeah, that she gets stopped and searched, and, and it's a white police officer who stops her. And, and, the, and the kind of realisation, as the clip goes on, that she is this, um, you know, powerful figure he's he, he's just like right okay oh shit yeah oh, damn and then kind of lets her go but like it, it makes you think firstly it's 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 good that these things were captured on film because if they're not captured on film you don't necessarily know what's what what the truth is when it's y- your word against a police officers uh and and secondly you know it's it, it, it shouldn't really be happening like this in the first place. And I, I, again, I just want to go on record and say I understand the police have got a tough job when it comes to, um, you know, stop and search and stuff like that. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. I'm just a radio presenter. I don't know what the um, solution is because. You know, some people say, well, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, there should be no problem if you're stopped and searched. But then, you know, equally, if it's all kind of young black boys who are the ones being stopped and searched, that kind of says that that's institutional racism. And, you know, it's, it's no different to when, you know, not long after 9-11, uh, anyone who, you know, was Muslim or, um, you know, looked uh, basically had brown skin uh, was stopped in an airport and, and searched you know it's um, racial profiling I, I think is the best uh, way of putting it but like I say I don't, I don't know what the solution is but we need to we need to do better as um, as a community really maybe that's strengthening relations between the police and the black community uh, from from early on but the problem is because this has gone on for so long the black community are very, very untrusting of the police force. And you can see why, you know, Um, you've only got, you know, before George Floyd happened, you go on Google and, you know, you type in black man police officer and there'll be hundreds and hundreds of results that come up and, you know, that needs to stop. But, you know, to to put that fire out now is going to be a massive, massive job.
1: With radio, and especially in the times that we're living in with with lockdown and coronavirus, radio has never been more important for people to have as a sideline to enjoy, no matter what genre it is or what station it is. But predominantly when you're presenting on One Extra, is this going to bring you that extra bit closer to your audience?
0: Yeah, well, one extra are um, you know if you've not listened to one extra before, it's the it's the black music radio station for the BBC. It's the most diverse part of the BBC. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody just earlier on about um, the fact that the production team at one extra are you know very diverse as well, but young, predominantly young, um, but also predominantly black, and I feel like that's really really important for different. Different communities to be represented by your national broadcaster. So I'm very pleased and, and, and proud to be a part of the team at Radio One Extra. But yeah, I mean, I, I like to think that I've got a close relationship with my audience anyway. You know, I, I try to interact with them as much as possible, even when I'm not on air. Uh, if people tweet me and, and want to talk to me about anything, you know, that's cool. Um, but I know today, especially the one extra audience are at the are very much at the heart of the the programming that's happening today. So um, Dotty, who does the breakfast show, Yasmin Evans, who's on kind of in between, and then Mr Jam, who's doing who does Drive Time. Um, those three have uh, put together kind of uh, their 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 favourite Black pa- Black empowerment um, playlist and playlists and anthems. So all day you're going to hear uh, you know their 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 kind of favorite songs from from those kind of from that kind of area I should say Uh, so that's great and then um, kind of at six o'clock we've got two hour special um, one extra talks and that's going to be Shawnee B and Ace talking about kind of you know growing up as two black men in London uh, you know the experiences that they have had throughout their lives won't be too dissimilar to a lot of black people all over the world um you know as touched on earlier on so you know that'll be a great listen and you know I'm sure you'll be able to get that on BBC Sounds uh if you do want to listen to it uh so all day today basically one extra is really strengthening that kind of um that bond with the black community the black British community anyway and I feel like that's so important I spoke to my boss today actually he called me Mark Stripple, the head of programmes, uh, just to have a chat um, about everything that's going on. And, and we spoke about the schedule and, and um, you know, he recognises, although he's not black himself, um, he recognises how important it is for us to be doing something like this. And I, I know um, a lot of the, the, the music industry and media landscape are blacking out today as, it, as in, you know, they're not doing anything. Uh, but we felt, firstly, the BBC's public service, so we need to be providing the public with a service. But, but but, secondly, we felt that we can, we can, instead of blacking out and just putting nothing out there, we can uh, put a strong message out there uh, to, to to try to unite and to try to um, give hope to, to, to people who, who feel a little bit lost. And, you know, I, I just want to, you know, I'm not, I know I'm rambling on a little bit, but you know, a lot's lot's happening at the moment. And I just want to send love to Clara Amfo as well. Um, you know, she used to be on before me, actually, on, on One Extra. She used to do Weekend Breakfast. Um, so I know Clara really, really well. I've I her today since, uh, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, she went on to Radio 1, which, you know, that's where she does a show now, her regular show. And Radio 1's audience is, is you know, predominantly a white audience across the U.K., um, and I've spoken to, you know, black people who have been a part of Radio One and they say that there's a problem with, you know, uh, race from the listeners when it, or racism from the listeners when it, when it comes to Radio One. You know, they've been at the hands of that before. Uh, so it took a lot of courage for Clara to go on air and, and um, speak the way that she did. And, and I feel like she nailed it you know, perfectly as to how people are feeling across the UK, um, how black people are feeling after seeing, you know, everything that's transpired over the past few days. Um, And, you know, I felt really emotional listening to her because, you know, again, if you haven't heard it, she she chokes up on air, you know. Um, And for something to be affecting you so badly and so in such a detrimental way that it makes you cry on air. And she took yesterday off as well. She wasn't on yesterday because she was so upset, you know, for that to happen, you know, I can't imagine it. You know, the, the, what's happening now is, you know, I feel it, but like, because I'm not a, a, a black man, I don't feel it in the same way. Um, and I could, I can't imagine being on air and being so upset by something that it causes you to choke up. So, you know, for, for, for her to, to, to do that on National Radio 1, which is, you know, the biggest youth radio station in the world, that's massive. Uh, so big love to her.
1: I had heard the clip that you were talking about, and even from from me listening to it, I'm not from a diverse background. However, it did hit home as much as it has done for you and for everyone else who has interacted, because it's, it's had over... I think a quarter of a million hits, and that's on Twitter alone on BBC Sounds. But she'd, yeah. said, she'd said some really, really striking things, like um, she didn't have the mental strength to be herself yesterday, um, to yeah. come on and be her normal, bubbly, joyful self, about the culture that want her for her talent, but don't want her yeah. for the color of her skin. And one major thing that that stood out at I loved, actually, because I've never heard it before, Um, you can't enjoy the rhythm and ignore the blues.
0: Yeah. It's it's true. You know, for years, big American superstars have been saying this. You know, and when I say superstars, I mean of the highest order. People like Rihanna. You know, everybody knows Rihanna, even your nan. You know, your nan might not know a Rihanna song, but you say Rihanna, she knows who you're talking about. You know, one of the biggest global superstars in the world, Um, you know, she's long said that, you know, black people often, they always feel like guests uh, at somebody else's house, you know, but you're not part of the furniture there. You know, you're just somebody who's invited in, but you have to leave at some point, Um, you know, and, and how black culture is, you know, I'm not saying for everybody, but I mean, I feel... As a young, well, youngish still, Londoner, um, you know, I I feel that black culture is probably the most influential growing up as an inner city kid. Um, The way that, you know, Londoners speak, whether they're, you know, Asian, black, white, whatever it may be, the slang that you use, stuff like that. I I feel like that comes from black culture Um, and... For years, people have been saying that you know you you want to borrow black culture, you want to take the things from black culture, but you don't want to um, essentially big up blackness. And that that's so true. Again, as somebody, I can only speak for my own experiences, but as somebody who um, comes from a mixed race background, but as I already said, don't some people can't necessarily tell. In the past, people have commented on the way that I speak or. Uh, the things that I like and you know growing up in, in some circles like I'll, I'll give you an example my, my parents when I was 15 my parents moved to Portsmouth um, which when we moved there it's very different now but when we moved there, I think it was 2001 uh, it wasn't very multicultural at all uh, and I moved in between year 10 and 11 which is the final year of school and um, and I went from an all boys massively multicultural school into um, it was a mixed school, but it was, it was very, very white. And the first thing that people used to try and pick on me about is the way that I spoke. And, you know, people used to call me a wigger and all of this stuff, you know, like and that for me is problematic in itself um, because you're making out, it's a detrimental thing because of the slang that I use and the way that I speak is associated with black people. So therefore it's bad, you know, and, and, and that for me uh, has been something that has stuck with me for a long time. You know, I'm, I'm 30 bloody free now. And I'm still thinking about something that happened when I was 15, but it's like, you know, it's, it's things like that that kind of mold you as a person. And those things can really, really mess you up. It's like when you're bullied at school, you know, people remember those bullies for the, for their whole life. By the time I went to school in Portsmouth, I was, like I said, 15, 16, and I'd already made up my mind with how I wanted to speak and the person that I am. But, you know, say if I was um, somebody who grew up there my whole life, when you're younger, you're you're much more easily molded. So, you know, if, you know, I went through my whole school life with people having that attitude, it might have been different. And I probably would have tried to hide the fact that I come from a multicultural background. Um, Not too dissimilar to, you know, again, this is problematic. I don't want to keep bringing up problems, but not too dissimilar to when I was growing up in London. Um, If you were from an African background, I had friends whose parents were from, um, you know, different countries in Africa, but they used to be ashamed of being African. It's very different now. I'm speaking predominantly about African culture here, whether it's Ghanaian, Nigerian, Kenyan, South African, wherever. Those cultures are much more celebrated now. But when I was at school, a lot of the African kids used to pretend they were Jamaican because it was much cooler to be from Jamaica or from Trinidad or from Barbados. Um, And, you know it's just another layer of complication when it comes to race. I'm not sitting here making out that it's like you can go bang and fix all the problems when it comes to racism, because it is so complicated and there's centuries of, you know, stuff that we have to peel back and, and and try to mend, which is a, a massive job. But I'm, I'm hoping, you know, my main hope from, from what's happened to George Floyd and, and others, but, at the moment, George Floyd is is the is the person we're focusing on. You know, my my main hope is that this is the start of something bigger. I'm hoping that come next Tuesday, um, you know, this isn't just forgotten and people haven't deleted their the, the black squares that they've put up on Instagram and we just carry on going back to normal. Because don't get me wrong, there will be brands and people who are who are just doing it to to be part of something online or you know brands who are doing it because they um you know i'm, I'm a little bit of a cynic when it comes to brands anyway get, get doing certain things but you know just brands doing it because they don't want to alienate anybody or whatever i'm hoping that all of these people or the, the, the big majority of them anyway 90 percent of them that are posting about this stuff it's actually meaningful and then you know we can continue this slowly kind of chipping away at the problems from from the root really um, because it needs to be done. You know, I, I like to think uh, that, you know, after I'm, you know, dead and gone that slowly but surely this problem will get smaller and smaller and smaller and then it's only a small minority that are the problem. Because at the end of the day, even people that aren't necessarily racists because in our in our minds we think of racists as people who openly say things uh you know to black people or asian people or, or or whatever or or people who um maybe not even just openly people who are in their group of friends who are racist yes those are racists but equally there is prejudice which is not necessarily the same as racism um but it is there you know, and we're all guilty of that, unconscious bias, we are all guilty of that, you know, Uh, and I'm not saying necessarily about race, you know, because I don't look at any race myself and think, oh, I'm better than that person, because I've got lighter skin than them, or blah, 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 but in terms of just how we look at people, you know, uh, your bias is always there, and sometimes you can't even control it, and we just need to try to understand that more, Uh, and I think, Something that white people could probably do, well, could definitely do better is not being so defensive about the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why there's this animosity uh, amongst white people who, you know, anytime there's somebody talking about Black Lives Matter, they're screaming all lives matter. And how can you say what you think black lives are more important than white lives? And, you know, that's not what's happening here. Um, One of the great quotes that's floating around on social media at the moment, and I feel like it's kind of perfect to sum up this conversation and to sum up kind of, you know, everything that's happening at the moment, is it's not black people versus white people. It's it's everybody versus racists, you know, because they're the worst people.
1: This is The Lockdown with Phil Reynolds.